Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club, a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book, listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into the Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to the Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club. My name is Jane Borowski, host of Invisible Tears. This podcast will be about my story and my words, talking about my own personal experiences and self-healing. I do not claim to be a therapist, counselor, or licensed psychologist. Hello, my name is Amanda Bedard, and I'm the co-host, producer, and editor of Invisible Tears. I'm a Reiki master, certified professional life coach, spiritual coach, wellness coach, and a counseling practitioner. Some of the content you will hear in this podcast may be disturbing to some. Viewer discretion is advised, but it is our hope by putting this information out there that we may help others to heal. We will always be a platform for truth and healing. This is Invisible Tears. Welcome to Invisible Tears. We're on season three. We are. Crazy. I know. It's gone by so quickly. It has. So I'm Jane and I'm here with my co-host Amanda and Jessica has decided to join us. My daughter Jessica. Hello. Hi Jess. Hi. How's it going today? Good. And Amanda, how's it going? It's going great. How are you guys doing? Good. We're finally rested up from our trip. I was gonna say you guys had a long trip. We did. Yeah. We drove out to Arkansas for a true crime fest. Yep. With all the lost girls. It was pretty amazing. I don't like to fly. I just find it very inconvenient, scary, and I just don't, I don't like to fly. So we chose to drive. Yep. It was me and Jessica and my granddaughter Cheyenne. Yes. She is the perfect rider. She's a wonderful traveler. Yeah. You guys are lucky. Yeah. Uh, we you are guys so lucky. are so lucky. Yeah. But we had her on the road at two years old. Right. Yeah. Doing 20 hour trips. Arkansas was actually like 22 hours from our house. Cheyenne was super excited because we were going to hit states that we've never been to. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Kind of made it a little mini vacation. So we uh, started going through. Let's start with Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. If you follow us on Facebook, you might have heard a little bit about this. But <laughs> <laughs> I was, of course, watching right along with everybody else with the videos and stuff. Yeah. Ohio is a state that I don't really care to visit again. For one, it was not welcoming whatsoever. You drive 60 miles down these highways and all you see is big ass fields and farms you know, spread out all over the place. And then all of a sudden, pop, there's an exit with a couple of gas stations, a couple of motels and McDonald's. (laughs) 
We didn't see any Dunkin' Donuts. Disappointed. They never yeah. even had a welcome center. Yeah, that's kind of weird to me. But I mean, I haven't been to too. I haven't actually been to too out far west. I don't think I've ever been to Ohio. I mean, I've been to Wisconsin, but I flew there, so it wasn't like I drove through. Um, to, drove through any place but that's odd to me yeah because that's what we one of the things we wanted to do we wanted to stop after we saw the big sign welcome to ohio stop at the welcome center take some pictures of welcome to ohio right and um you walk in the building and there's two bathrooms and no brochures had i not seen welcome to ohio and walked in that building we would have never known that we were in ohio no we wouldn't nope wow and neither one of you guys had been to Ohio before? No. 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 We mostly traveled the East Coast. Right. So going more West, we were all new to. Yep. So we decide, all right, we've been on the road for 11 and a half hours. The next little pop-up town we see, we'll stop and get a room and get something to eat. So we were coming up to this one pop-up town, and I had a Cracker Barrel. Oh, I love Cracker Barrel. So I was like, oh, let's stop there. There was three motel rooms around the Cracker Barrel, which were walking distance to the Cracker Barrel. And I said, perfect, we'll stop there and get a room, go over, eat, go back to the room, relax, and get some rest. How'd that work out, Jess? (laughs) Not too well. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. One of the motels was a Motel 6. Yep. Now, when Motel 6 and and Super 8s were built, they were an economy place to stay. Yeah. Fairly cheap. I mean, they weren't fancy, but they were comfortable and they were nice. (laughs) Not so much on this one. I walked in, asked if they had any rooms. Uh, Yep. He said $159 for the night. Okay, this is a Motel 6, isn't it? Yep, yep, it is. I say, you can't do better than that. He's like, well, I'll drop it down to 130. That should have been my first sign. (laughs) So we got the keys. We walk in, we see a cat on the bottom level in the window. That should have been a (laughs) rope. A cat? A cat in the window. In like in a room? In a room. Yep. Oh, okay. So that well, I mean, I guess it could be pet friendly. Yeah, which some of them yeah. are. But True. <laughs> yeah. Are people standardly living in this one? Or? I don't know. Oh, okay. We believe so. Oh, okay. but we didn't find this out till after. Oh, okay. So, what was our room door like? Oh my god! On the outside, you can see where they were prying it open with a crowbar, hammer. Yeah, you could see damage to the yeah, door the and the door casing. Yeah, yeah. Via into tool. our room. Yep. Oh hell no, guys. <laughs> oh hell no. So I look at that. And I'm like, oh, it looks like somebody tried to break in here. We walk in the room. There was like nothing in the room except one bureau and two full size beds. No there was carpet. No pictures. There was no carpet. It was like a one piece linoleum floor that they made look like wood, like wood flooring mm-hmm. with. Knife marks <laughs> all over the floor. Oh like somebody literally went in and just took a knife and started cutting the floor. Like, And I'm not talking like one small space. No. I'm talking the entire floor. I wish I took pictures and I didn't. Yeah. I'm so mad I didn't. So yeah, no microwave, no refrigerator, not a picture on the wall. There was the bureau a little ikidiki TV, two full-size beds. You go in the bathroom, the bathroom was completely empty. It did not even have a holder for the toilet paper. The toilet paper was on the 
back of the toilet. And it's already been used. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's appropriate that you guys found this hotel when you're en route to a true crime festival. No fool. <laughs> <laughs> That's what just popped into yeah. my mind. It's like, okay, did you actually stay in a hotel room that was a potential crime scene at one point? Uh, right. With all Seriously. The, yeah. Right, with all the knife marks and stuff like that. How did you... Uh, did, how did you relax enough to actually go to sleep? Well, you're like, we didn't. <laughs> we're still working on the room here. Okay. So you walk in and all you smell is, all we could figure out what we were smelling was a combination of cat piss, dirty socks, Ew. and another smell I couldn't even tell you what the hell it was. Oh, God. Oh, stale smoke. Yeah. Like somebody smoked in there all the time. We could not get past the smell. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? I'm too tired. I need to rest. I want a good night's sleep. Obviously, I'm going to be worried about that flipping door. Didn't feel safe. So I said, let me go down and see if there's another room. So I went back downstairs. I said, is there another room? So he gives me the keys to another room. Well, we went over to Cracker Barrel to eat because we were hungry and we wanted we didn't want them to close. Yeah. So we went to Cracker Barrel. We ate. <laughs> we come back. We go to the room that he gave me the new set of keys for. And that one was worse. It was just, we couldn't get past the smell. The smell. And it was the same. The door was looked like it had been pried open with a pry bar. The floor was all cut up again and by the door it had a little sign for your protection make sure you lock your door all the way (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so i went back down the office (laughs) yeah i said this is just not gonna work for us i don't feel safe here and i have my daughter and my granddaughter with me yep i'm not gonna stay here can i have my money back so he proceeds to tell me (laughs) Well, I went up to your other room and I I walked in and I really felt like it had a wonderful ambiance to the room. I looked at him and I said, what planet are you from? (laughs) Are you kidding me? (laughs) Ambiance? Do you even know what that means? Right. Because it had no ambiance whatsoever. Right. So, um... Surprisingly, he gave me my money back. Wow. Well, that's good. At least you didn't have to fight for yeah, that. At right. least he wasn't like, nope. Yeah. No, he gave me my money back. Well, that's good. So there was like a red roof. And then on the other side of the red roof was um, a Hilton. I said, let's let's skip red roof, go straight to the Hilton. Of course, we went to the Hilton. They were booked. So I said to the lady, I said, what about the red roof? How bad is it there? Mm-hmm. You know, is it nice? And she's like, no. I said, well, it can't be any worse than... Motel 6 that we just left. She said, same owners. I said, okay, "Okay, we're going to pass the red roof. So we drove another 20 miles down the highway, and we found a wonderful hill in $112 a night. Nice. Two queen-size beds. The room was wonderful, clean, comfortable. Yeah. It felt like a four and a half yeah. star motel. And we had a wonderful night. Yep, we, we slept, slept we rested. Good. Buyer beware. <laughs> if you see a Motel 6 or a Super 8 off the highway, before you pay for the room, tell them you want to look at the room first. I'm not even exaggerating, no. Amanda. Oh, no, not I know. even it's, exaggerating. It was bad. It was, it was really bad. Like, Shai did not even want to sleep in there. She did all sleep in the car, Grammy. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, especially with what you described and the door being all messed yeah. up, the floor being cut up and everything like that. You also have to sit there and think like how clean actually is the room in right. and of itself. And if they don't clean those rooms properly, then who knows what you're going to 
encounter. Right. You know? Yeah. I just couldn't get past the smell. The smell no. was just so bad. Well, if the smell was that bad, then you know that the cleanliness was poor. It was due to the lack of disinfecting and or the lack of cleanliness in the room. Yeah, exactly. So the next morning we get on the highway and we drive right to Rogers, Arkansas, where the convention was. This convention center was gigantic. We stayed right there. So we go to check in there. She's like, oh, there's been some confusion with your room. I'm like, oh, my God, please don't tell me. Uh, this is not please what I wanted to Please don't tell me I have hear. to go hunt for a Motel 6. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, she said there was some confusion. You had reserved a room with two queen-size beds. We have to upgrade you, but we're not going to, we're going to upgrade you, but not charge you extra. Darn. Said, we have a corner suite with a king size bed. Will a king size bed be all right with you? But there also is a queen size sofa bed that pulls out. I said, yeah, that works perfect. We were up on the fourth floor. We get in the room and oh my God, did they upgrade us? That room was absolutely gorgeous. I showed you videos. You did. Amanda. You video called me and showed me I was like wow you were literally living in a suite oh, yeah, yeah exactly yep. it was so comfortable the Rogers Center convention said it was gorgeous they must have had at least 20 conference rooms our conference room for the true crime fest it was two rooms one of the rooms would fit over a thousand people easy and then the other room was a little bit smaller but not much but it, it that would fit at least two three hundred people yeah, easy at least yeah. and that was just our section it was a really nice place so we get there on um friday and friday night between six and nine they had a meet and greet so we took a shower got ready went down to the meet and greet now was that was the meet and greet for the people that were involved with the conference so like the presenters and the people that were there for the conference or was it like a vip that people could purchase tickets to to meet you guys too it was everybody that was going to be part of the conference guests there and then people had to buy vip tickets to go to this cool i was wondering if it was just for you guys the people that were a part of the conference and presenting at the conference or if people had the option to be able to no people paid extra for vip tickets to go that night to meet everybody that was gonna be on the panels very cool on um, Saturday it was really nice they had cocktail hour they had a bar set up I was invited to go to represent Dark Valley with uh, Jen and Lance from Crawl Space and um, they actually got awards that night they awesome. gave them awards that night yeah. for advocates of the year which was really that really was sweet cool. and well deserved so well deserved well they've been advocating and working for so long so that's fantastic they really yeah they got awards yeah yep, yep. so um the next day we woke up we went down back down to the conference our panel was at like 9 30 yeah james renner was right before us the author he wrote the book about Mora Mori's story. So then we were on. And um, I was so nervous because it was the first time I've ever done any kind of public speaking about my attack whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, it's different being behind this microphone compared to being on a stage with a few hundred people in this room. Live with you know? people staring at you. Yeah, exactly. And you're on a stage, you have the mics and you have lighting on you and everything. Oh, it's yeah. a completely different environment. Exactly. Yep. Yep. So I was super nervous about that. Aww. But Jen and Lance did an amazing job. They had a PowerPoint and they went through the story of how 
There was a serial killer in the Connecticut River Valley between New Hampshire and Vermont. Talked a little bit about each of the victims that we all believe that were victims of the Connecticut River Valley killer. And then they were like, so we're going to bring the survivor of the Connecticut River Valley killer. We're going to bring her up on stage. So everybody was really surprised about that. The oh, way man. they presented everything was just perfect. perfect. The timing yeah, of everything was yeah. just perfect. Mm-hmm. So I went up on stage, talked a little bit about my attack. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, Lance had asked, has anybody in this room ever heard about the Connecticut River Valley serial killer in New England? Right. Nobody had ever heard of it. In thinking about the location where you were, I'm sure that not a lot was necessarily known about anything happening in New England. Right. No. 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 In a way, I was kind of surprised. But there were high-profile cases in Arkansas that I never heard the, of. Yeah, exactly. Never. So, yep. Yeah. Unfortunately, the amount of serial killers over the course of the past however many decades, and I won't go off on that separate tangent, but I just have to say, yeah. throughout this country, it's horrifying how many cases there have been. So I'm not surprised that people hunt her just because of the location that you were in, but it's fantastic that they now know. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly. So I told a little bit about my story. Jen was great about it. Like it was almost strategic. I was talking about my case and all of a sudden Jen says, well, let's let everybody know that your daughter survived. And the look on people's faces out in the audience, they were crying. And then I stood up and... So we announced Jessica and Jessica came up on stage and everybody was crying. Yeah. The looks on people's faces were like, oh my God. They naturally assumed the amount of times I was stabbed that she didn't make it. People went crazy when Jessica came up on stage. And then we very quickly announced, well, because I survived, Jessica survived. And because Jessica survived, I now have a granddaughter. And, and then, then Cheyenne she came, came up. up. So then everybody, everybody was, you could see them wiping their eyes or in their pocketbooks <laughs> trying to find Kleenex. Everybody. So yeah. um, it was great. I mean, I'm standing there and I still wanted to continue to talk. I was so surprised at how comfortable I felt up there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and Jen and Lance made me it was because of them i felt so comfortable yeah they were amazing they are amazing they are the presentation they put on the way they told the story was awesome with so much compassion and caring you know they explained dark valley and what they hope to accomplish we wanted to really talk about the victims of the connecticut river valley killer now we only had 40 minutes on stage. That's all that we could have was 40 minutes. We were going over and of course the girl comes over by me next to the stage and she's like trying to yep. you know touch her wrist, time's up. Like your time's, time's up. up. Yep. And I just like turned around. I was like, "Please, I just want to say a couple of more things. Give us a couple of more minutes." And she's like, "Yep, okay." And everybody was like clapping and you know, I ended it with we got to stop giving these monsters a voice. Yeah. We got to stop giving them a voice and start focusing on giving the victims a voice. Absolutely. You did an awesome job. Thank you. 
I felt so comfortable up there. I love it because that's something that we've always done. And I don't think that we've necessarily talked about it like publicly on the podcast, but you and I in conversation, that's something that has always been on your mind is getting into, you know, the public speaking, the motivational speaking, starting to do events and things like that. And I mean, you're so freaking inspirational that I love that you now had this perfect platform to be able to experience that. And you're like, oh, yes, I love it. Yeah. Because that's fantastic. Well, we even had um, Lance asked anybody if they had any questions. And there was one question asked about how did I cope with knowing that I was the only survivor and did survivor's guilt kick in? And that was my opportunity to talk about invisible tears and about PTSD. Yep. I talked a little bit about that. And um, afterwards, there was a lot of people that came up to me and they were like, love your story. Love hearing that, you know, you did address your PTSD and now you're spreading the word about PTSD. And a lot of them really want to hear our podcast. A couple of girls came up to us and they were like, next time you do a presentation like that, you guys want to pass around a box of tissue and uh, give us a little bit of heads up. They were so sweet. So after we got done on stage and we got off, I realized I really want to start public speaking about the cases or the victims and about PTSD and my healing. Yeah. I mean, people came up to us and and really didn't talk about my attack more. They talked about my healing and my PTSD and that they were really, really more interested in that. Well, I think when you describe your attack too, I think it's amazing to people and still even knowing the story of your attack, knowing what happened, it still sometimes even still shocks me. It's so amazing that you did, that both of you did survive. But um, I think the more grabbing piece, like once people get over that shock, like, holy crap, like you went through that and you had enough and you were so determined and you survived. So both of you survived. And that's amazing. Once they get over the shock of your story, it is the, holy crap, look at what she's doing now. You know what I mean? It is. It's all about the, what did you go through mentally afterwards? Because it was such a long road and such a process and people trying to put themselves into your shoes and being like, holy crap, what would I do? What what would I be like? What would my life be like? Right. Mm -hmm. And nobody's ever really talked about that. Yeah. Again, nobody's really attacked the whole mental health piece of victims. Yeah, this is true. This is true. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. And now back to our episode. We stayed for all the other people that went up, other panels. And uh, boy, there was one group of girls. They reminded me of you and me. Oh, really? oh my God, <laughs> they, they were, were so were funny. funny. <laughs> During the pandemic, they just decided to start a podcast. Sounds and familiar. they were right into true crime. <laughs> one strictly sits there and talks on the microphone. And the other one talks too. But she's the one that does all the editing, all, <laughs> all the behind scenes, all yep. the posting of the podcast. So the other girl that, that just does the talking, she's like, yeah, I, I just do this because I don't know that. <laughs> and the other girl is like, well, I didn't know all this either until I had to learn. Right. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm looking at me and Amanda right there. Oh, big time. (laughs) But um, they were United States of murder. United States of murder. They were great. They like to find cases that nobody talks about. I love that. They found an unsolved murder of this girl in their hometown and never even heard of it. 
never even heard of the case. Um, so they did that on their presentation. They talked about her unsolved murder. She was a high school student getting ready to go off to college. Yeah, it was um, it was pretty powerful. And then LaDonna and Alicia. I'm going to do a forewarn people because I really want to talk about this because this is a level of evil I've never heard of. And what I'm about to talk about is extremely graphic and is extremely evil. Trigger warning. This is a level of evil I'm still having a, a hard time comprehending that's out there. I can see it in your face. LaDonna and Alicia are the ones that put on the true crime fest. So they're this weekend. All the lost girls. They're all the lost girls. Yes. So Alicia, sweetest girl ever. She was so smart, so articulate, super, super brave. I mean, this girl is amazing. Her story begins with she was working for this guy that did photographing and filming and I'm not sure specifically what he was photographing or filming but um she worked for him like a intern she was interning learning photography and videography yeah pretty much pretty much and um he had asked her one day if she wanted to he wanted to photograph her um, he wanted to photograph her arms. Yeah, it was kind of weird, but I guess whatever type of photography he was doing, it wasn't weird to her. So he's like, I just, I need to photograph your arms and your hands. Mm-hmm. And he offered her money. So she's like, okay, yeah, I'll sit there and have you photograph my arms and my hands. She trusted this man. She had been working with him for quite a while. So he invited her to lunch. They went for lunch. And she believes that he drugged her because at that time she didn't remember anything. But she remembered that he was posing her in different ways. It's like she was conscious but had no control over her body. So she remembered a little bit of he was having her pose and he was taking pictures. She realized that things weren't right. So she ended up not working for him anymore. And then about a year year later, all of a sudden, all these memories started coming back to her. And she was like, oh my God, I remember this and I remember that. She remembered wearing a Mickey Mouse watch. He put a Mickey Mouse watch on her. She happened to be watching or listening to LaDonna's podcast. LaDonna had a podcast where she was trying to solve this murder in Arkansas, which she still is trying to, um, of this girl that went missing. They found her murdered. She always wore this Mickey Mouse watch, and the Mickey Mouse watch was missing. Well, Alicia heard the podcast or saw it on TV or in the news or something. And then all of a sudden, Alicia says, oh, my God, I wore a Mickey Mouse watch. So she went over on the computer and punched up Mickey Mouse watch photos. All of a sudden, there's a video of her wearing the Mickey Mouse watch. This guy actually videotaped her. Well, she went and found these forums where her video was all over these forums. He was posing her and he did despicable things to her body while he was filming. And he kept filming this watch, the Mickey Mouse watch. Like he'd zoom in and zoom out. She was extremely devastated when she found out that he had unclothed her done things to her body and these videos were all over yeah 
the internet. So she went to the police, couldn't do anything about it. He did nothing wrong. <laughs> That's what they told her. He has done nothing wrong. She's like, he videotaped me without my permission. And they saw the videos, I guess, in Arkansas. It's not illegal. It's not illegal in Arkansas to videotape somebody without their consent? Nope. Nope. And you can put it all over the internet. What about the whole drugging thing? Can't prove it. But they can because of the video. What she looks like in the video. Her eyes were open. She wasn't passed out. Oh. He made her look like she was a willing participant. Oh. So... Long story short, she got a hold of LaDonna, and they started doing a lot of research on this guy. And that's when they discovered the evil in these forums. There's a bunch of these forums where these guys go in these forums, and they're looking for women, willing participant women that want to be murdered. And after they murder them, they want to do things to their body. And... Alicia started finding all these videos of these women being posed and obviously drugged. And um, these men literally look for people that they want to murder in these forums. So Alicia decided with LaDonna to go undercover and start hitting these forums and start telling these guys, I'm a willing participant. So Alicia went on and talked to this guy. And this guy was like, do you want to be murdered? And Alicia's like, you know, I, I, I'm super suicidal. I might be a willing participant. And, you know, he's like, well, how long have you been suicidal? And she's like, about 15 years. And she really had an extensive conversation with this guy over the course of a few days and completely convinced this guy that she was totally a willing participant. Set her up with plane tickets to fly to, it was Arkansas. I believe so, Because yeah. she was living down in the Virgin Islands. Set her up to fly to Arkansas, meet at a Borders bookstore. He had it all planned out for her, step by step by step by step on what he wanted to do to her. So she, of course, recorded all this and brought it to the police station. And said, you know, this guy thinks I'm a willing participant because I'm suicidal, wants to kill me, and so on and so forth. They can't do nothing about it. I was just going to say, the police can't do anything about it, can they? She's like, they can't do anything about it until something happens. He's right. the one that was planning the whole trip and all the details. And um, there's nothing that they could do about it. But there are several of these forums where these guys are literally looking for willing participants that want to be murdered. The sick types of forums that exist out there, I can't even fathom, but also can't even outline the amount of them that actually exist. I mean, from people being auctioned off to people actually paying for people to be killed on camera, people being bought, sold, body parts. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it all it, it all actually exists out there. And yeah. it's horrifying it for really, yeah. us, but... Such a dark world. Yeah. I really want to go back to this Mickey Mouse watch, though. So this Mickey Mouse watch kind of stemmed from this, like, cold case, but then he kept on zooming in when he was videotaping so her. So they believe that he is the one that killed Missy Witt, which is the one that LaDonna started investigating gotcha. her case okay. and started yep. really looking into her case. Well, and that would be why he was so obsessed with the Mickey Mouse watch. It's almost like his signature or something. Yeah. Didn't he put it on her? Yeah, he put it on Alicia 
on her wrist and had her wear it the whole time. Yeah. He was doing crazy stuff to her body. So Alicia and LaDonna are on a mission to shut these forums down. Yeah. And these guys now know them. These guys call them bullies. <laughs> I'm like, are you serious? They call them bullies. But LaDonna and Alicia, they go in these forums all the time, and they're trying very hard to try to find some sort of evidence to, you know, shut them down, get these guys arrested, stop this, you know? Yeah. They had to hire private security for this conference because they've had their lives threatened. Followed. Followed. They had security in the audience that we didn't even know they were security guards. Somebody asked Alyssa, you know, how do you keep yourself safe at home? And she's like, a gun. Mm -hmm. I own a gun. Amen, sister. Yeah. She's like, I try not to allow them to scare me. Right. You know, she's like, but... I want to make a difference and shut this stuff down. Uh, she's like, it's a level of evil that should not even exist in this world, but it does. And it's all over the internet. There are forums <laughs> and you can go right on them. And it's just crazy. There's actually a name for it. Yeah, necrophiliac. So people that do sexual nature things to deceased persons. Exactly. Yep. But these guys go one step further. They want to be involved with the murders. Yeah. yeah. But they want willing participants. I guess in my mind, I was like, who the heck would be a willing participant? And how many of them have been out there to be willing participants of these sick bastards? You know, not only just her story, but her and LaDonna's mission to do what they're trying to do right now is just amazing. Awesome, wonderful advocates, victim advocates. They're so strong for being they are. so open about it. They are. I mean, we took Cheyenne out of the room. Yeah, yeah. she oh, was yeah. not there. Um, we didn't allow her to listen nope. to that. They got pretty detailed about a lot of stuff. You know, yeah, I know about serial killers, obviously, because I was, you know, attacked by a serial killer. But that's a whole level of evil I didn't even know existed. Yeah. But they are all the lost girls amazing people check out their podcast they talk a lot about it about what happened to alicia two of the strongest women i've ever met in my life uh, yeah they are good on them for their mission and what they're doing especially oh, yeah. since you know obviously for alicia it's so personal right oh so so personal. It happened like directly to her and from the person that was possibly responsible for this other death. It's really interesting too. You brought up how much security was at the conference, obviously because of the you know threats that they've gotten and that sort of thing. I don't think a lot of people realize in the true crime realm how important security kind of is exactly. and what people actually experience. Right. Most of the time that people are involved in this space, it's because something's very personal to them and they're on a mission and they're on a mission to do good and do better. Whether it's getting word out about, you know, cold cases or cases that aren't covered or that these horrendous forums exist and shutting it down. You know, every person's mission is, is sort of different, but people don't realize you sort of sacrifice safety in order to be that mission oriented, but good on them. Yeah. We just heard so many stories. I heard so much last weekend at the convention of so many cases of these cases 
could be solved, but they're not arresting and convicting and these families aren't finding justice because they always say there's not enough information to convict. There's not enough evidence to convict. I'm so sick of that. I really want to understand this from a police perspective, to be honest with you. I want to understand exactly what pieces are actually needed to arrest and convict in cases. Like, I I want to understand that more, especially since I'm not like a detective or a police officer, but because in some of these cases, it just feels ridiculous to me. It feels like, how is there not enough evidence? Exactly. You know? What do they need? Right. If you are a good prosecutor and you know how to do your job the way you're supposed to know how to do your job, a lot of these cases would be solved and these families would have justice. We met so many people out in Arkansas that were telling us Arkansas is just as bad as New Hampshire. Yeah. They're crime-solving rate is so low. Um, Their conviction rate is very low because they just keep saying they don't have enough evidence. Sounds so familiar. Doesn't it? How many other states are like this? Well, yeah. It's another one, Georgia. Georgia. Yes, they were saying there was Georgia's a guy just as bad. From there. We should actually do a little bit of work and actually look at the different states and see where the rates are essentially. Yeah. I was baffled by some of the cases. So, yeah, I mean, the conference was wonderful. It was a good turnout, met a ton of people. We had so many people come up to us. People were telling us our panel was the best of all the whole day. Well, with the way that they sort of planned it out with the different surprises, I mean, first the surprise of you, Jane, and then literally not mentioning Jessica at all. And when you think about it, it's actually kind of funny. When you were talking about that, people were surprised. They were like, oh, because Jessica survived. And then, you know, they bring her out. Obviously, I knew that Jessica survived even before you even told me about before we even started this project, right? Obviously, I knew I knew you were yeah. her daughter when we all met, right? Yeah. I assumed, and it wasn't until we sat down and recorded episodes one and two when you when you told me your story I assumed that Jessica was born the night of your attack I assumed you were taken because I didn't think that there was any way that you could have biologically survived that and been here so I just assumed I was like well she was seven months they delivered you via c-section or whatever as you were going through surgeries and you probably lived in Lebanon in the NICU I just assumed that I remember when you were telling me the story during episodes one and two, I remember actually calling that out, being like, wait, what, was she born? Or I said something like that, something to that effect in episodes one and two. So they, of course, they set it up perfectly. They did. People are surprised that I still carried her for another two months. I was shocked. Sunday, the convention center or the, the motel, they put on a great um, breakfast buffet. Oh, it was Oh, my awesome. God, it was awesome. So me and Jessica were sitting there in Cheyenne, and we were talking sitting there talking and eating our breakfast and um, a lady come over and she was at the conference the night before she was at the convention and uh, she's like your story's amazing they came from North Carolina well her daughter lives in Arkansas so they decided to do a day trip her and her husband to Arkansas he was gonna stay and play with the grandbaby because they have a two-year-old grandbaby and she is into true crime so she decided she was going to hit the conference so she was at the conference that night and um so she was like you're amazing you know your story's amazing she's always wanted to write a book so she's writing a book on a case that happened down in North Carolina years ago and um so she's writing her first book she thought I'm interested in going to the true crime conference because she's into that so we talked to 
to her for quite a while, and uh, her book is almost done. And so they were going to eat breakfast, and then she was finally going to go see her grandson. She went back to her table. Jessica gets up. She goes over to the juice bar, and her husband gets up and comes over to me. And he's like, I wasn't here yesterday, but my wife told me how amazing your story is and everything. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, he says, I was the pilot on the plane for the New England Patriots team. I flew them to all their games. I'm like looking at him like, for one, I was like, why is he telling me this? Right. <laughs> and right. the second I was like, wow, that's really freaking cool. Right, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So I must have gave him that look because he's like, I saw your daughter's sweatshirt over there. <laughs> she was wearing her Patriot sweatshirt. Yep. And he's like, oh, they must be fans and I got to come over and talk. Yeah. He flew them for like seven years wow. to all their games, especially when Gronkowski was playing. You know, he was saying, you know, Gronkowski is just as funny in person and on the plane. And he flew them to their last Super Bowl. And cool. So, yeah, it was really cool. He was so yeah. nice. Nice. He was very nice. nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I was going to say the second that you said what he did and like how he like introduced himself, I was like, oh, somebody was wearing a Pats something. Yeah. Like we don't even think about it. We wear New England team stuff like all the time. Well, I came back to the table and mom told me and I'm like, no way. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, we met some amazing people. So nice. Everybody was so nice to yeah, us. Yeah, they were. They love Cheyenne. Cheyenne was so good. We made up the car with all our info on it. Everybody that came around, she always had a stack of them with her. Yep. Always. Always. And just passed them around and talked to people. She was a little social butterfly. Yep. She was awesome. Even the VIP night. She handed them out. Oh, yeah. She was going around to everybody on the VIP night. That's so cute. That's awesome. That's so cute. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that the first conference attended was so successful and so good. The crime conference was successful. I'm glad I went. Like I said, I was invited by Crawl Space Media to represent Dark Valley, but I promoted the hell out of Invisible Tears. Of course. We had mentioned on stage about my podcast or our podcast and people definitely wanted info and they were coming up and asking for info and we're passing out cards left and right. And so it was really good. Um, Met a lot of amazing people. And what was your perspective, Jess? Oh, I thought it was a great experience. It was very moving to hear all the stories such evil in this world man but we're gonna be telling stories that we're gonna get the stories out and hopefully um you know some of these cases will eventually be solved so yeah podcasting and social media it does help to convict somebody it does help getting that information out there to put somebody in jail that deserves to be in jail you think that that little information doesn't doesn't help it does so that was the conference and uh i realized that i want to start doing public speaking especially about my ptsd and healing and what victims really have to go through after something horrific has happened to them if they survive and um we're hopefully going to be getting ready for crime gone down in orlando florida that's like a three or four day conference. Yes, I believe it's a three day conference. Yep, it's big. It's down in uh, Orlando, Florida this year. It's in September. So we submitted our paperwork and, and hopefully we'll get a panel. Yeah. Who knows? Um, we'll keep you guys posted. Yep. But 
I wish, Amanda, you were there. I wish I was there too, guys. I'm sorry I wasn't there. Just couldn't swing it this yeah. time, but we will next time. So we'll, we'll yeah, all be LaDonna, there. This was LaDonna's first year of having this conference. Nice. So she plans on doing one next year. Hopefully we'll have a panel with just Invisible Tears. Yeah. And we'll have a table and... Yeah, that would be cool. So I want to thank all the Lost Girls for doing that conference. I know it was a lot of work. They did a phenomenal job. LaDonna and Alicia were wonderful. So we posted a bunch of pictures on Facebook of us at the conference. And uh, so check our Facebook out. We're going to make a whole bunch of TikToks out of some of those pictures and stuff like that, too. Yeah. So be looking out for that. And if you're not following our TikTok, go follow our TikTok. Some amazing videos are going to start coming out. I'm oh, just are. saying. Just saying. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Yeah. So, well, with that, have a great day. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Invisible Tears. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to hear all future episodes. Click into our link tree too in the episode description to find and follow us on all our social medias. And it also links to our website, invisible-tears.com, where you can keep current on any events that may be coming up, read more about Jane and the team, and read more about all the Connecticut River Valley unsolved cases. If you are looking for everyday items, clothes, collectibles, or a gift for that special someone, you can support us further by checking out our retail store, The Frugal Marketplace. We can be found at thefrugalmarketplace.com or search for us on eBay and Poshmark. We hold an online claim sale on Facebook Live every Monday night at 7 p.m. where you can find our latest items for sales or items at a deep discount. The links for our products can be found in our show notes. If you want to learn more about my wellness practice, Guided Path Wellness, head to guidedpathwellness.org. There you can read more about me and my certifications, more about the Reiki and coaching services I offer both in person and remote, and read all about my products for sale that I make through the practice. Feel free to utilize the contact us section on the website with any questions or utilize that free 15 minute consultation booking button if you have any questions about what might work for you. Evil may exist in this world, but we will not let it win. See you next episode.